Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Redestine tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at First first Listen. Listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. This could be the end for LeBron James in Cleveland, effectively. Tonight is game three. If you are of the opinion that this series is going to be remotely competitive, I think beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is a must-win game for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, the Warriors are a four-point favorite, but what the Warriors have shown us so far in the playoffs is that they do not have a proverbial killer instinct. They went and lost to the Spurs in their first-round series. They lost to the Pelicans in their second-round series. They nearly blew their Western Conference final series against the Houston Rockets when they had a chance in Game 4 to put this game away forever. They were up 12 in the fourth quarter. They had a chance to go up 3-1 in that series. Then they would have never had to come back in Game 7 and win like they did. All of those factors are at play tonight. But when you really look at the larger universe, if you are paying attention to the NBA season, if you assume that the Warriors are going to be together for another year, and that seems to be very likely, then LeBron James has got an interesting decision to make if he loses and will immediately turn the page from, oh, maybe this could be a somewhat interesting series to... Where will LeBron James go? And if you pay attention at all to the odds markets, something interesting has happened. The Houston Rockets have moved into a precipitous favorite right now to sign LeBron James. That means, in theory, LeBron could be headed down to Houston to play with James Harden, to play with Chris Paul, his good buddy, and to try to end the Warriors playing from within their own conference. It seems to me... That the I have been saying this from the get-go. I've been saying from the get-go that to me, LeBron going to the Rockets made the most sense 
and now the odds markets are starting to agree with me. If you gamble in the offshore markets or at all find these interesting, then LeBron James is now plus 150 to go to the Houston Rockets. And if you think that that is not going to be a massive story as we come down towards decision 3.0, that is going to be one of, I believe, if not the top stories uh, for uh, the next couple of months is going to be where in the world is LeBron James going to go. And I find that story in in general pretty intriguing. Now, if you're watching it, this is according to uh, sportsbookreview.com, the Rockets are plus 150 uh, to get LeBron at the end of this season. The Cavs are are three to one. Uh, sorry, the 76ers are three to one. The Cavs are three and a half to one. The Lakers are four to one. And then you go into big numbers. The Spurs 12 to one. The Warriors 16 to one. The Clippers 18 to one. And the Heat 25 to one. Can you imagine if LeBron James decided that he didn't care about how much money he took he is going to make, and he just decided to go to the Warriors to guarantee himself a championship? Can you imagine the reaction that would befall LeBron James if that were to actually end up happening? But as we look at game three tonight, to me, the real question out there is, do the Cavs have it in them to win this game? Because they win this game, then Friday night's game is somewhat entertaining because you're thinking to yourself, okay, the Cavs came back from an 0-2 deficit to the Boston Celtics. Maybe they can win game four, and we can at least have a game five that matters going back to uh, going back to the Warriors, if they lose, all bets are off, and effectively, this series is over. And so, um, in the larger context, I also think it matters for the NBA's decision in the offseason about whether or not to consider redoing 1-16, to the NBA playoffs, instead of seeding uh, as they are right now, uh, 1-8 to in the East and 1-8 to in the West. I think all of those uh, stories are at play and I think we're going to uh, to get a uh, a major kind of storyline in general associated with that. Let me bring in the crew here early. Obviously, there's no games uh, to talk about. I don't want to spend uh, the, this entire show talking about the um, the Donald Trump uh, and uh, and the sports world's feud because uh, we talked about that a lot yesterday. And I'm trying to avoid talking about Trump and the national anthem every single day. Uh, for the next 15 years, uh, which seems like right now what we're going to be doing. Jason Martin, is it over? Do uh, do you believe that the Cavs are going to be able to win game three, or have you got the Warriors? I think they can win it, but I'm taking the Warriors. I think So you over. think effectively it's 3-0 and it's going to be – I mean, if the Warriors lose game four, which they did against uh, the San Antonio Spurs and, uh, and end up in that situation – and it's 3-1, and they're going back to, to Golden State. I know that they lost the 3-1 deficit before, but going up 3-0 effectively ends this thing. So the Warriors know if they have that killer instinct, tonight is their opportunity to get it done, and you think they get it done. I do. I mean, a couple of things. One being that the savior of the Cleveland Cavaliers, at least according to Cleveland fans who asked for it, and now Ty Lue has said it's going to happen, is Rodney freaking Hood. <laughs> Rodney Hood that's played seven minutes total since game two of the Eastern Conference Finals. He's the one that's going to come in and bring the Cavs back from the brink of disaster. I look at this, and this is what I said after game one on Friday. I felt like what happened to the Cavaliers in game one was real close to what happened to the uh, Toronto Raptors against the Cleveland Cavaliers in round two this year, where they had game one and should have won it. 
didn't win it, kind of in catastrophic fashion. This one was worse than that one, certainly. And then after that, they just got their doors blown off. If you remember game two of that series, they got killed, and that's what we saw on Sunday night, really. I mean, they played them tough, but then eventually the Warriors just shot them completely there was, out of the there gymnasium. There was at no point, we talked about this too, uh, you and yes. I, there was no point in game two where you actually thought, oh, the Cavs are in good shape to win this game. It just felt like the Warriors were the equivalent of a uh, like an adult playing a kid, and they were trying to keep the game close, but if the adult ever really wanted to pull away, he could. Yeah, that's the way it felt to me. It felt like the Cavs weren't ever in a position to win it. They were just trying not to get embarrassed. And for a long time, they did that. You know, it would go to 11, and then there'd be a couple of buckets, and they'd cut it to five, and then Clay or Steph or KD would hit a couple of shots, and it would blow back up to 11. And then finally, we're sitting at 20 after Steph went wild early in the fourth quarter, and it was a wrap. But that's kind of what I was waiting to see happen. I knew that that wrap was coming. It was how fast was it coming. So tonight... Is LeBron going to go out and give you 50? He might. I don't think he's checked out on this team. Pretty much he's been addressing questions about a video that's gone viral about him on the sidelines for the last couple of days, and he had a real snarky response to that yesterday because he's taken a lot of criticism for not being a leader after J.R. Smith forgot the score or I, I, maybe I, his own name. When I watched, the, When I watched that video, I said, my God, if I could have seen this video – before the start of overtime, I would have put every spare dollar oh, yeah. to my name on the Warriors to win. And I do think that reflects poorly on LeBron that this has always kind of been what I've said in a negative way about LeBron James is that he wants you to take note of his emotions. It, he is he is the ultimate king millennial in that he feels when he's upset, he wants everybody else to know he's upset. And I would have, it, frankly, if if you want to talk about the, the way that other guys who are great would have responded, I would have felt a lot better if one of two things have happened. If LeBron had completely dressed down J.R. Smith in that huddle and he had said, hey, listen, you blew it, you know, like let him have it and then hype him back up at the end. But now it's overtime, none of that matters. Or if he had uh, if he had completely tried to gather his teammates and said, hey, you know what? If you had told us before game one, we're 13-point underdogs, hey, we're going to end up in overtime, you'd have felt great about this. Yes, we could have won the game. All that proves to me is that we're as good of a team as they are. Let's go out and win this in overtime. There are a couple of different ways I could see him responding that could have been favorable. Putting his head down, sulking, refusing to acknowledge his teammates, refusing to interact with them in any way, even when they're trying to reach out to him. Yeah, I mean, I just thought that that video, um, and, uh, and, and here's the other thing. Everybody wants to praise LeBron James for how aware he is on the basketball court. Why didn't he know how many timeouts were left? I'm pretty I mean, sure he is- did, Clay. I'm pretty sure that was a lie. I'm pretty sure he was doing that so he could emote at Ty Lue Just for not calling a timeout. Just to show up Ty Lue for not calling yes. a timeout. Well, that might be true. But if he didn't know, if he didn't know, then that's on him a little bit too because when he sees J.R. Smith reacting in an idiotic fashion, I think Ty Lue from the bench should have called a timeout the minute he saw J.R. Smith and saw that J.R. Smith was not putting up the shot. But I, you, you may well be right. That could have been LeBron James just putting on an acting display to demonstrate how inferior everyone else on his team is to him 
But I think when you watch that video, it's hard to believe that LeBron is going to return to uh, to the Cavs. And uh, but again, I mean, if you had told me, man, what's going to happen in overtime? Here's that. Here's this two minute video to watch. I'm not kidding. I would have gone and tried to get as much money down on this game in overtime as I possibly could for the Warriors because that was an awful look. And it's not surprising to me that the Warriors came out and scored the first seven and eventually won by 10 or 11 or whatever the final score of that game was. Um, so I think the question in many ways is how plugged in is LeBron going to be? Um, is he over his pouting now that he's had several days to get ready? Um, and what kind of game, if any, will we get tonight at 9 o'clock Eastern when this game tips off in Cleveland? And frankly, is it going to be the last legitimately competitive game that we see LeBron play in Cleveland? I know game four is going to happen, but if the Cavs go down 3-0, basically game four, I guarantee you on Friday when we come on this show – we'll be saying it's basically LeBron's farewell to Cleveland if you pay attention to all the odds markets out there. Uh, what about you guys in L.A.? Do you think it's over? Do you think that uh, the Cavs have any chance to win game three, or do you think the Warriors are going to slam the door? Yeah, I think the Cavs definitely have a chance. They're similar to the Celtics in the way that they play at home. What, they've only lost one time this postseason? It was the first game. Yeah, yeah the first game of the playoffs, and they got Against blown the Pacers, out by the yeah. Pacers. Now, they could have lost several games at home. True. They've won them close. But they, uh, they do look like a different team at, at home, especially with their shooting percentage. So uh, there is a possibility, but I'll say this. If the Warriors have another one of their third quarters and they wind up winning by 10, it's going to be a sweep. So we'll we'll learn a lot about the Cavs when they come out and start the game. If, if they don't look like the Cavs at home in the postseason, then they're done. And what this would be to the NBA is for a long time, you are on an absolute roll uh, with the NBA, right? The playoffs start to kind of uh, get catch fire. You've got the first time since I think like the 1970s that both the Eastern and the Western Conference playoffs go seven games. And then suddenly you get to the NBA finals and it's a total dud because as many of us anticipated, this was not a matchup that was worth uh, paying attention to. By the way, the Warriors are minus 2,500 to win this series. That means that the Vegas and the offshores and everybody else are giving the Warriors right now a 96% chance to win this series. What about you, Justin Cooper? Who you got? Well, I mean, I, I kind of have the same sentiment as Danny on this. I do think that if the Cavs are going to win a game, because I originally said that it's going to be Warriors in five, and so I think this is going to be the game that the Cavs win, but if they don't win it, it's over. It's a sweep. Here is a uh, you know interesting question, kind of as you roll into uh, to, to the the games ahead. It is um, is there any chance? And we'll probably spend some time talking about this. Is there any chance? We're going to talk a lot about LeBron, where he's going to end up, and like I said, the Houston Rockets now the team of of the moment that is favored to get LeBron James's services. Is there any chance that Kevin Durant, I believe, who has the opportunity to kind of look around a little bit, if I'm not mistaken? With two titles in his back pocket, is there any chance that Kevin Durant looks around a little bit? Hashtag future Laker. Yeah, hashtag future. Has got, I mean, I'm just kind of curious on this. I've seen the reports like, oh, it's 100% he's going to come back. And now I've seen the reports out there, oh, it's 95, 96% chance he's going to come back. Is there any chance that if they win this series, which it seems very clear they're going to do, that Kevin Durant now with two titles doesn't feel the pressure on his back anymore to go out and win more titles? 
I, I think it's kind of sure. a uh, it's kind of a fascinating question if you think about the psychology of Kevin Durant, who seems to care so much about what everybody else says about him. I mean, I think ultimately we are the reason uh, collectively as fans that Kevin Durant decided to go join the Golden State Warriors because we value championships to such an extent now that if you don't have a championship that hangs on your, you know, it's kind of weigh, weighs on you and it's hard to forget. If you get two titles, um, is he a little bit like LeBron was after LeBron had two titles down at Miami where he feels like, okay, now I can go back and rebuild my image? Like, for instance, uh, if, if Kevin Durant made the decision to go to like uh, like uh, the you LA uh, loons out there who are huge Laker fans, if he made the decision to go to LA instead of LeBron. Or, and I don't know what the Washington Wizards situation is uh, from a salary cap perspective, but I guarantee you if Kevin Durant said, hey, uh, I'm going to pull a LeBron. I want to come back home and try to bring a championship to the Washington D.C. area. Uh, given the caps, it wouldn't be uh, as as much of an end of the title drought. But the the Warriors would do whatever was within their power to try to clear cap space. They'd trade whoever they needed to to get Kevin Durant onto that team. I think that's that's fair to say. I don't think that's an outlandish proposition at all. That could be an interesting storyline to pay attention to as well. Whether Kevin Durant might be interested. In uh, in exploring his own uh, his own pathway right there. Um, the other question is: Is Andre Iguodala ever going to play again? Have we been lied to about what the severity of his injury is? Um, if he's not playing in Game Three, I think it's probably fair to say his his season is over. Um, and uh, that's kind of disappointing, I would say, just in terms of uh, of what he could have done because I would have liked to have seen him going up against LeBron at some point in time. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. John Campbell joins us at Johnny Oddshark on Twitter. Is it over? What are the markets telling us here? Are the Cavs done, or do they have one last scare in them? Well, the markets definitely say it's over uh, because the Warriors are, are looking at a minus twenty three hundred price tag right now. So, twenty three hundred dollars to win a hundred if you want to take the Warriors. But game three, there might be some value here with Cleveland uh, teams that go up two nothing in the finals only win game three at forty percent in the finals, even though they go on to win the, the series almost ninety percent. So. Game three is a big one. I'm not sure the sweep is going to happen. The sweep is paying plus 125, but this is a big one here. I'm looking at Cleveland uh, in, in game three here. How would the split go? Uh, the Cavs, I believe, are four-point underdogs at home in game three. Is this something where the public is coming in heavily on the Warriors, or are they backing the Cavs? And I ask that because some people like to fade the public. They like to pay attention. I know all the money just about – was on the Cavs in Game 2, and the Warriors came out and covered with ease. What about Game 3? Well, I, I think we will see Cavs money come in. The line's bounced around between 5 and 4.5 and so far. So uh, some some early Cavs money, I, 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 I think it might be split here a little bit with a little bit more Cavs money in, in Game 3 here. There's a lot of people who love LeBron and are rooting for him out there. I think the Cavs will get every opportunity in Game Three uh, from the officials. They'll have home. They'll have home court advantage. So, uh, I, I think we might see a little bit more Cavs money, but money line money uh, that's coming in on the Warriors, and, and that price is down uh, a bit. I think that's what we'll see: money line Warriors, Cavs spread. What's interesting also is there were a lot. There's a lot of talk about who was going to win the MVP, and after Steph went off for nine three pointers and had the game that he did in Game Two. 
it's effectively a done deal now, right? Everyone is anticipating that Steph Curry is going to win the uh, NBA Finals MVP. Yeah, pretty much. He sits at minus 300 right now to win the MVP. Opened at 2-1. At to one. Kevin Durant opened that as the favorite around minus 140. LeBron was 7-1 to one before the series. is now closer to 4-1. to one. But, yeah, it, it looks like a done deal. Steph Curry minus 300. A couple of other interesting uh, offshore odds that you can bet on. Uh, we were talking earlier about Kevin Durant and what decision he might make. I don't think a lot of people are paying attention to him relative to LeBron. But Bovada right now has Durant at minus 700 to play game one with the Warriors in the 2018-19 season, plus 400 to sign elsewhere. Uh, meanwhile, LeBron James now becoming the favorite, uh, the favorite now to sign LeBron James is the Houston Rockets at plus 150. How much attention do you pay to these offshore markets? Is there any value in terms of trying to project what's going to happen? There's a little bit of value, and these ones are more for PR, usually from the books. They they want to give some people something fun to talk about. People are talking about it anyway, and usually if people are talking about something, they'll throw odds on it. So that's another example. What kind of makes these ones different than, than other lines game to game is the news can wildly change these things. So it could be an unsubstantiated rumor, and it'll completely change the news. So there is some value in there if you do pay attention to that. They, they don't have high limits or anything. They're more for fun. What about, uh, okay, let's shift gears to the NHL. The Washington Capitals are up 3-1. That game is going to take place tomorrow, game uh, five in, in the series. A lot of optimism for the Vegas Golden Knights. That has now faded to a large extent as the Washington Capitals have won three straight and gotten hot. Uh, what do you see happening in this series? Is it over or do the Vegas Golden Knights still have a, a chance? I know hockey's a little bit wild. What needs to change? What will change in this series now that the Caps have taken a 3-1 series lead? I think the series is over. I think the Caps are going to win it, but I think uh, Las Vegas might win one more, and it might be uh, Game 5 here. And what they need to change, they need to get way better in their in their own end. Right now, right now, it's kind of I'm kind of amazed at the price. A couple Las Vegas books have the Knights at minus one fifty to win this game, which which is crazy because the Caps have absolutely dominated the play for three straight games here. So that's a reflection of how much action you're seeing in Las Vegas on their beloved Knights right now. Uh, I, I think this might be a real, real close game, this next one. It's always tough to close out a series. But only once in Stanley Cup history have we seen a team go up 3-1 and, and, and the team that's down has come back and won. That was a 1942 Leafs. 31 teams have failed at coming back from that deficit. So when you look at the Capitals, they're minus 800. That's not really that bad a price when you throw that into consideration. We're talking to John Campbell. You can follow him on Twitter at Johnny Oddshark. All right, uh, a couple more events that are coming up soon. First, uh, I believe the Belmont Stakes going on this weekend. Justify, I've seen around a minus four to five favorite. How much interest do you anticipate seeing on this race as Justify goes for the Triple Crown? I did, there'll be a lot of interest, and any time a horse is going for the Triple Crown, there is so much more action on the Belmont. Justify is minus 125. He's around even money when these opened up. So, so I think we'll see that continue to move. It's people will come in. This is going to be public action. People who don't normally ever bet horse racing, they'll come in. So if you're looking at online, I would take Justify now. That number is only going to get worse. 
All right, so uh, that is uh, the the Triple Crown race. What about, I know we're a week out. Next week we're going to be at the U.S. Open up in Shinnecock Hills on Thursday and Friday broadcasting live. Uh, What kind of value are you seeing, if any, in early futures odds and early line movement on the U.S. Open next week? Well, you want to look at players that can kind of do everything. Shinnecock is a course where you have to be long, accurate. You have to pipe. You have to scramble. So I'm looking at, at the top guys. Jason Day is at 22 to one. Uh, that's almost unbelievable. He's on pace to post the best strokes gained putting season since that stat was implemented in 2004. Justin Rose, a former U.S. Open winner, won in 2013. He's 20 to one as well, and he's another guy who can kind of do everything. So, uh, so I think there's going to be uh, some really good value on this board. I, th- I think it's going to be a great test at Shinnecock. I know you're going to be there. Yeah, it should be fun to see. Uh, good stuff, my man. We will talk uh, to you next week, and uh, good luck on the gambling picks. Thanks, Clay. That's uh, Johnny Oddshark at Johnny Oddshark uh, on Twitter. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Joined now by our guy Petros Papadakis at Petros and Money. AM 570 Sports in L.A. Did I get that right? Nope. Nah, it's the way it should be. AM 570 L.A. Sports. I don't know why L.A. comes before sports. Well, don't upset my bosses. I know your boss. He's out in uh, Japan now, so we're I safe. I know. He's going to be anything. very upset if you don't say it right. Yeah, there's no doubt. Uh, so have you ever watched a Harry Potter or Star Wars movie? Yeah. Both? Mm-hmm. Which do you like more? Well, come on, Clay. That's stupid. I'm not a millennial. Uh, see, I, I, I... Look, I got to go with Princess Leia. She was coked up to the rafters. These guys at Harry Potter are a bunch of millennials eating cauliflower crust pizza i can't have that i'm star wars all the way harrison ford was a carpenter on the set of uh american graffiti star wars what's wrong with you what kind of question is that you know what i'm not i mean do star trek or star wars or something make it interesting i'm I'm not even that much of a star wars freak but but harry potter you take that to slytherin nobody wants to hear that (laughs) I, I am I am wobbly. I'm going to give my final vote at the end of the show. I've never changed my vote before. Nobody but I think cares. I think there's a good chance I'm going to change my vote. It's got to be Star Wars. That's the. I mean, nobody makes Harry Potter jokes as mainstream societal norms like they do with the Millennium Falcon or Han Solo or Greedo. Nobody does that with Harry Potter because they're millennials, and millennials suck. This is a strong argument to come uh, come right out of the gate with. Um, well, you know and- what? I'm a little upset. Uh, first of all, I got bumped for Trump yesterday, <laughs> and and second of all, people have been texting me about Harry Potter versus Star Wars since four thirty this morning Pacific time, and I'm freaking tired of it. Uh, what did you think when you woke up this morning and had? Did you like what was the like what what is the thing that you get texted about the the Bachelor? I guess probably the Bachelor, the Bachelorette. Like you probably get blown up about that, right? You know, I get texted about whatever we're talking about. Yeah. So it really depends on you know something that hits a nerve. I I got excited last week trying to talk about action figures oh. because I think action figures are the wave of the future. I think sports teams should sell action figures with accessories 
and the box and everything. What did you collect? A bobblehead. Were you an action figure? I love that idea, by the way. I would much rather have an action figure than a bobblehead. And remember, like, back in the day when you could send in the proof of purchase and you got one in the mail and, like, colliding with sports and action figures, they had, like, the Refrigerator Perry G.I. Joe. And yeah, you remember oh, that? they have a lot of them uh, now. And they do that now a lot where you, like, can get the – so when you had to get the proof of Perry purchase. G.I. Joe has got to be worth thousands now, oh. especially if it's in the box. And I, I hate to nerd out about action figures, but I really do believe that action figures are the wave of the future. I would way rather, if I was, like, a Cleveland fan, have a LeBron action figure with, like, a safety pin and, like, a plane ticket – you know, and cool shoes or something, uh, and way more than a LeBron bobblehead, wouldn't you? Yeah, by far. That's a great point. And I, you know what's cool? Your kids are probably not old enough for this yet, but my seven-year-old is convinced that the 1980s, when he's correct, are the greatest generation in the history of mankind to have been a kid. And so he I loves... I mean, it's hard to argue with. Remember the robot in Rocky Four? Oh, he loves 1980s era toys so they have these shows now like when i was a kid you would go to a baseball card show right like i mean if you were a kid and you were really into sports they had baseball card shows and everybody loved baseball cards you'd buy them you know at the at the cash register with your mom when you're leaving the grocery store whatever you'd you know collect them i mean i can still vividly remember what a big deal it was every year to see what the new baseball card from tops or Donruss, or Leaf, or Upper Deck eventually, what they were going to look like. Like, every year was a brand new design. I still remember, like, the 1987 wood-paneled baseball card where they're like, nice. everybody had hardwood floors back in the day. Did you um, make a Fleer call? No. Oh, Fleer call, big time. Like, Fleer, they had that great baby blue year where, like, the entire border was... I mean, it was awesome. And then 1989, they came out with Upper Deck, and Upper Deck just dunked on every other card that had ever existed, plus... They made Ken Griffey Jr. the number one overall card in that set, and it was like, oh my god, you got to get it. And then they had a Michael Jordan card, like a Billy Ripken with like the curse word on the on the. You remember that? Like the, uh-huh. the they had the error cards. Oh, I absolutely loved everything about baseball cards, but those aren't as popular these days with kids. What's popular now is they have these vintage toy conventions. So you'll go in and like. All the toys that you used to either want or play with when you were a kid, they have them all for sale. And it's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Like my my son is running around looking at them thinking like, oh, dad, look at all these vintage toys. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like these are all the toys. You know, you'd go back in the day to Toys R Us before they went bankrupt and you'd go in and like you'd be pouring through all the action figures looking for the one that you wanted. Oh, all the way to the back. All the way to the back. Just in case. You never knew. You know, they might have, you know, the one that you really wanted all the way at the back there. And, they might uh, have Shipwreck from G.I. Joe, that, or, that ambiguously gay sailor. Or Serpentor, one of the great oh, G.I. Joes of all the time. Greatest. Oh, I loved Serpentor. If he played for the Arizona Diamondbacks, they'd be 10 games in first place. <laughs> I always tell people that. But you remember Mask? Oh, yeah. Play? Yeah. Now, those toys are expensive. Like, you can't find a Mask where they put the mask on and the car changes like a Transformer. Oh, yeah, I remember those. I remember those, and I remember, um, did you watch any of the, like, early Japanimation in America? I loved Star Star Blazers, and I was obsessed with Robotech. Oh, Robotech. Mid-May, I almost got a mid-May tattoo. I still might. 
I was in love with Robotech. And is it bad? Is it creepy to get a teenage uh, Japanese girl on your arm when <laughs> not you're four years old and married? That's normal in Japan. Everybody's got teenage Japanese girls on their on their tattoos. I'm staring at action figures right now at my desk. I have Sato, the bad guy from Karate Kid Part Two. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that's I have a great one. Moss Man, the moss colored uh, weed themed He Man character. Uh, I have William Shakespeare action figure. He's got a scroll. He's and right. I have a James Joyce. That is that's fantastic. I've actually got action figures on my desk too. I have got uh, Khaleesi. I've got uh, Daenerys Targaryen from uh, Game of Thrones. I have got Zaymont and Tomax still in the original oh, that's package. Strong. The, the twins? crimson, yes, the crimson uh, crimson guard twins, I believe. Um, I have got, uh, and it's funny, like my kids will come up into my office and they're like, dad, why do you still have those guys in their package? I'm like, don't touch them. Uh, you know, th- 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 these my are not to be played opened with. my Kamala, the Ugandan giant WWF action figure. And I, I'm still not over it. Uh, and then I have Brutus, the barber beefcake, oh, uh, which very strong back in the day. Um, so all, all the- I'm saying is I tried to make the action figure argument go, the way you're trying to make Harry Potter versus Star Wars Action go. figures, I'm with you because I, w- I do think it would be – I would much rather – because I got a bunch of bobbleheads too because you could go to the games or whatever, the Tennessee Titans. People send so, them. Yeah, people send them out all the time. But I don't know what you do with a bobblehead, whereas the great thing about an action figure is you create your own story with it. Like you put a bobblehead up and like you just leave it and you never touch it again. There are a lot of options. Now think of this, Clay. On Outkick the Coverage, you could sell a Clay Travis action figure with the hair and the nipples. <laughs> now, here's Have another ever, question. By the way, before we even get there, while you mentioned my nipples, you know what I'm really thinking about doing? I'm thinking about no, getting... don't. I, I mean, I swear to God. Don't. You're 40 years old. Some You're married. Thir- you have children. 39 years old. I have the worst nipples and the worst, like man boobs of all time just somebody, live your life somebody your reached boob. out to me and offered to give me a male boob job they're I'll like you'll have the best you. nipples you will have the best like chest ever seen i'm really kind of thinking about doing it clay clay don't get a breast reduction surgery i've never had plastic surgery before but i'm thinking if it would they, be great to have like nice you have bad nipples too no, Wait you have tiny nipples. No, sorry. Wait a minute. Don't sorry, bring sorry, my apologies. nipples into this. I'm you not have tiny to get nipples. Surgery. I see. I see men with tiny nipples, and I think I wish I had tiny nipples too. Well, I have tiny nipples. You have like you have like dime sized nipples. I've got like half dollar nipples. I would say mine are more like buttons on a button down shirt. Yes, and what would you describe mine as? Like a Stewart saucer cap. plate. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't Maybe think like I... Maybe like the top of a ball jar. I got a bad draw on the nipple genetics. Yeah, but if you get a nipple reduction, there's no way for a doctor to cut nipples to make it look natural. So they're going to look like they're pasted on, which, as a matter of fact, they are. That's and what I want. And they're going to have big anchor scars under it, like a you woman think? would if she had a breast reduction. Uh, and... No one's going to believe that that's your chest because the rest of your body is going to look like the rest of your body. Just stop, dude. I got zero issues with anything else on my body. I just wish I had good nipples. Live your life. When Howard Stern got got a nose job, 
I lost a lot of respect for him. I've got the beach beach house now. My nipples are out and about quite a bit. Wear tassels like the graduate. <laughs> and now, I let can't me ask be, you a question. I can't be guy with the shirt at the beach. No, you can't. Just live your life and be proud of your big nipples that God put on your giant uh, fleshy chest. <laughs> now, what question you got? Yes. What three accessories would be in the Clay Travis action figure? I have my three accessories figured oh, out. This is would tough. you like this to know what they are? One would be, uh, yeah, I want to hear your three. The Prozac, my CPAP machine, and my albuterol inhaler. <laughs> Those would actually be really cool because the accessory, the, like, so I'm thinking what would I want my accessories to be? Um, I think one would be a radio headset, so you could put a radio headset on me. Uh, I think uh, boring. Boring. Well, I mean, let's be honest. Like, I'm, it's not like I'm a really exciting guy, other than the nipple job. It would. I mean, I'd have to be covered in a shirt. Or what else, would your wife like, tell her friends if I got a nipple job? Where's Where's your husband? Oh, he's laid up after his breast reduction. <laughs> it would be amazing. Oh, I think it would be incredible radio to do, uh, you know, live radio as I recover from my uh, nipple nipple surgery. What if you have like chest pain for the rest of your life? Well, my fear of- was, didn't Joan Rivers die in her surgery? Yeah, do they Kanye have to put- West mom and a lot of other people yeah, that aren't famous? Like, what if I died getting a nipple reduction? Like that would be a tough way to go. There would be. A, a great celebration by your enemies. Oh, there would be joy in the Twitter streets. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> by the way, we did you hear about the? Uh, we were talking about this earlier in the show. We're talking to Petros Papadakis. See you how no him. one cares about the items with the action figures. This is well, what I tried to make happen, and no one cares. Well, I just think it's tough to come up with cool items. Like I said, a, a radio headset. I don't even know what my other items and my and my action figure would be. How about a match? Because you're a freaking inflammatory. But the match is not cool to see the action figure hold. Maybe a lighter. How about gasoline? <laughs> <laughs> Just a huge can of gasoline. All right, That's go not... ahead. Ask me your sports question. Um, no, it's not really. It's not a sports question at all. Did you see the story about the the, uh, the this went to Ethiopia and we obviously do the Animal Thunderdome on the show. A priest in Ethiopia or a minister was conducting baptisms, and I said, "Look, I was raised Southern Baptist. I've been immersed fully with the, underneath the water." Like, but we did it in my church in a like bathtub, basically like a, a pool area directly behind the uh, the pulpit. So uh-huh. it's not like you had to go out to a lake or a river or anything like that. But in Ethiopia, they did the baptism in a crocodile infested uh, uh, lake. And why this is not made up story? While the baptisms were going on, a crocodile grabbed the minister conducting the baptism and killed him. Okay. So the, the all of the people out there have to go and like they rescued the guy's body, but he would the, the minister his life died literally as he was conducting baptisms. How much okay. would you have to be paid right now to get on a plane to Ethiopia to put on the vestments or whatever else you need to put on to wade into a crocodile infested lake in Ethiopia to give these other uh, members of the congregation a baptism? Well, can we move the baptism outside of the crocodile infested no, lake? No, no, I mean, no, 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 no. The whole purpose of this is that you have to be risking your life in a crocodile infested lake. My, the natural reaction is, 
why would you ever do the baptism in a crocodile-infested lake? Like, that seems like a bad decision. Well, clearly decision. you feel like God's going to protect you. And clearly God did not. Work. Yes, God and allowed him to be killed by a crocodile while the baptisms were going on. Yeah, that didn't work out. I'm Greek Orthodox, and, and mostly our, our priests just violently dunk us in a giant golden baptismal fountain that looks like one of those big green eggs you can buy at barbecues galore. Yes. Uh, I don't think there's any amount of money That's in the world. My I'm, answer. I'm not going to Ethiopia. That was my answer. I was like, there's, I, I, it's rare that I say this, but I don't think there's any amount of money you could pay me to get on a plane to Ethiopia to go to this lake filled with crocodiles and try to baptize people right after the minister was killed. Because, by the way, and I don't, I don't know make what as the, much money as you or, or brag about it on Twitter. I'm not and, the kind of guy to brag, but I do. No, have a no, you're not. You're very yeah, humble. Very humble. But the um, truth is, there's not enough money in the world. As you know, I don't even go in the ocean, and right. there are no crocodiles in the Pacific Ocean where I live. And several people tagged me on this story, which seems like the the uh, the shark hanging on the rim. In Brazil, a guy got attacked by a tiger shark, and he died. And do you know? Do you know this story? Do you know how the guy died? Uh, uh, no. The shark bit his penis off and he bled out. I was going to guess that. Is that the worst way to die? Uh, I can't, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Maybe, maybe in, uh, on the table at a breast reduction surgery <laughs> when you're a public but it, figure. But at least then I'm asleep. Like, I don't know that I'm dying. Yeah, maybe he just went into shock, hopefully. I, I don't know. That's an awful story, and I, I hate it. It is an awful story. But that, why, why that's do you have why to you, tell me that story? That's just because upsetting. you don't go into the ocean. I think it confirms every fear you would ever have. I get, like, if you told me that anybody at my beach was going to get their penis bitten off and would die in the next 40 years, I would not go in the water. That's in my lifespan. I, don't I would never go guy. in the water again. Yeah. I don't I mean, want it's not to, worth the, the risk off to chance that that's going to be me. I don't want to be that guy. Or at least and I would never. Penis, what was it like to the shark? I, I, that's like, what I'm saying. What the shark... did you think it was? Like a, like a popsicle? Like a, <laughs> don't like, know. A, like a push-up? This, this is my point. This is why you should always wear pants, because you never know when an animal is going to think that your penis is like just a, uh, you know, like a, a worm or some sort of uh, delectable device for him to eat. I, I just got to tell you this right now. I, uh, I'm terrified when I think about this story in every possible way. I think it's the worst. I, and when I think of the worst way you could die, a shark biting off your penis and you bleeding out, I think is number one on the list of worst ways to die. Yeah, I, think, I don't think it's happened very much. But uh, taking a selfie and then getting hit by a car in India is pretty rough, too. That, hap- that actually happens a lot more often. People than die the from penis. selfies all the time. But to me, that's you being stupid. Like, if you're on the edge of a cliff and you're like, oh, I've got to get this great picture. Well, if you're and trying to the- tease a shark with your junk, that's pretty stupid, No, I don't too. think the guy was doing the helicopter with his penis trying to see whether the tiger shark would get him or not. I'm sure he panicked because he heard, like, oh, there's a shark in the area. And next thing you know, he's dead. And his penis is gone. I mean, it might have been pretty big. It doesn't matter. You know, for the shark to be able to get a hold of it. <laughs> yeah, or, or yeah, yeah, maybe that's you know, the for po- it to fit all the way into the shark's mouth. Yeah, I can think about the physics of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Because the uh, shark's whole body is made out of cartilage. 
and, and they don't so get cancer. So he'd have to smash his face up against the guy's hips to really get a hold and a bite on that <laughs> thing. It's <laughs> the worst story ever out of Brazil. Yeah. Uh, Petro, Petros Babadegas, thanks for joining us this morning. You know what? In Brazil, you can also wake up on a, in a bathtub filled with ice without a kidney when you I've were heard having about a this. great night with a beautiful that's, woman. That's This is also a, a horrible fear. Don't go to Brazil. Don't go to Ethiopia. Don't get breast reduction surgery. Get on the action figure wave. That's a great exit. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Good night. It's Petro. <laughs> good, good morning. Petros Babadegas, Ed Petros and Money. Breaking down the news. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A A podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at First first Listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.